Buckle up! It's showtime! It's time for the green room with Sean Green. Oh, no! With the show. All right, let's do it. All righty then, let's get started. And now for the moment no one's been waiting for. Welcome everybody to the green room. We're doing it live here on ShantiGreen.com, presented by our good, good friends over at 247comedy.com. Make sure you check them out on the iHeartRadio app or at 247comedy.com or on all their numerous AM and FM affiliates, and as always, the Green Room, sponsored by Amazon. Amazon, perfect time to do that online shopping. You don't want to go out to the mall. You don't want to deal with the hustle and bustle, the tramplings that occur so often this time of year. You go to shantygreen.com, you click the Amazon link, you support the program, you support the podcast, you support me personally which I appreciate in these holiday times. I am back in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, in the uh, Thomas J. Green Memorial Studio. That is my grandfather. And I'm here with my uh, longtime pal and Lehigh Valley resident, Johnny LaQuasto. What's happening, Johnny? We are circling the wagons for another holiday season. You know it, man. I I called you a uh, Lehigh Valley resident. Obviously, you're not living here currently you uh live well in- when you grow up here though i think you and i were always <laughs> we're always going to be leah valley residents like exactly. this is always going to be home you know even when you and i both have um mansions in abu dhabi exactly that's that's the first place i want to drop my mansion in abu dhabi yeah. <laughs> where you, you know. can't where a woman has to walk around in a scarf now i'm going to leave los angeles for abu no i know what you mean yeah. um you know we're all, always going to be residents i mean because you come home to your parents house i go home to my parents house and it's just like you know, it feels right. It, it's great. Yeah, it does. It feels great. It's awesome to come back, hang out in a house that has tons of groceries. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just... <laughs> oh, yeah, I got home. My mom's like, I got a ricotta cake for you. It's this cake that I don't even... It's, it's, I don't even know. It's made from heaven. It's like, a, it's like a vanilla sponge cake with ricotta cheese at the bottom. And then my oh. mom decided to add a chocolate whipped cream topping this year. Like, every year she keeps topping herself. I'm like, this is, I already ate like a quarter of it within the first 10 minutes of being home. That's when I texted you. I'm like, hey, when am I coming over? Like, how about 1130? I'm like, shit, that gives me more time to eat this cake. You just sit there, chow down in the cake. Yeah, it's just crazy to just have the, yeah, you take it for granted of just living in a house that has tons of groceries oh. all the time. Like, even when I do uh, do grocery shopping or whatever, or when I have groceries around, it's always like, Okay, I got maybe like one box of crackers or mm-hmm. chips sitting around. You don't have like multiple options, multiple different packs of deli meats, no. juices, milk, pierogies in your freezer. Yeah, pierogies. You don't get that in LA. No, you don't. Pierogies, of course, is a. Uh, I feel like not enough people know about pierogies. Basically, mm-hmm. describe a pierogi, Johnny. It's a delicacy uh, known from the Pennsylvania Dutch culture. It's basically a uh, dough wrapped in kind of a round. Shape with uh, versions of mashed potato in the middle. It could be potato and cheddar, potato and onion, potato and what else could be in there? Pretty much anything. Yeah, I've seen jalapeno. Wow, that yep. that's not Pennsylvania Dutch. No, sure that's a good. little uh, that's Mrs. T's when she gets exotic. Right. But yeah, and then it's kind of got that fried crispy crust, mm. and then basically a mashed potato ball in the middle, yep. perfect for uh, dunking in ketchup, and you, you fry those up with some onions. Oh yeah, delicious. Now. Pennsylvania Dutch, though, they kind of uh, run the gamut as far as uh, food there because you got the pierogies, which are very delicious. Mm-hmm. And then on the opposite end of the, the, the spectrum, something I've never enjoyed, but my dad's a huge fan of is Scrapple. 
Oh, I, two of my best friends are massive fans of Scrapple, and they always get it. Now, I don't think a lot of people in L.A. know what Scrapple is either. No, Scrapple's another hidden gem. Yeah, it's basically, um, if you remember the movie The Great Outdoors with John Candy. Yes. Uh, if you recall, um, they were talking about hot dogs being made from lips and assholes. Exactly. Well, that's Scrapple is lips, assholes, and everything else in between. <laughs> it's basically the leftover stuff that they can't put in a hot dog. <laughs> they pour into the Scrapple machine. Scrapple is not street legal. <laughs> if we're talking about yeah, they, race cars. They basically advertise it as scrap meat, and yeah. it's just this big gelatinous glab or glob of, yeah, just random entrails of, of meat. Oh, yeah, entrails is a good way to describe Cut it. Cut yeah. it up. It's just a big blob of animal fat. They throw it in a fryer, serve it up, kind of like as a breakfast thing. Like yeah. uh, instead of uh, bacon or sausage, they just throw a big hunking piece of scrapple. And- Instead of unhealthy bacon or sausages, they keep it just as, if not more unhealthy. <laughs> and then, I don't know if your friends do this, but mine drown it in maple syrup. Yes. Like, it's it becomes a, a, a square patty of maple syrup <laughs> soup, and that's how they eat it. Like, it, it ruined, it could ruin your whole day, but that's probably why Pennsylvania as a whole is... Um, a little on the larger side. Not the most health-conscious state. No. Pennsylvania has a lot of... A lot of uh, older people and a lot of people that enjoy eating. But you kind of understand why when you get back here and uh, just in general, there is something to – like California, the weather does make a difference. You know, it is a lot harder, I think, to be healthy on the East Coast, A, because there's a lot more – Good food, meaning good food, like unhealthy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, when it gets dark so early, it's cold outside. It's hard to get motivated to go out and do stuff. Whereas California, it's October. It's 85 degrees outside. You're going to be naturally inclined to go out and move around and do stuff. Where mm-hmm. 80, yeah, middle of October, it's getting dark early. You're just more inclined to stay inside. And uh, Well, yeah, you got to look good all year round in California. You have people in, yeah, obviously in entertainment because, you know, you and I got to stay in tip-top shape. Exactly. And so, and but we're here. It's you know in the winter. Plus, people settle down. It's like, oh, what are you going to do? We're going to go work out together? Nah, let's just sit at home and you know maybe we'll have sex and burn some calories. If not, exactly. we're just going to stay. Hey, out, what you know. what better says I love you than letting yourself go? I mean, yeah. really, letting yourself go is the ultimate test. Is the ultimate you know token of uh, your appreciation for your partner because you're saying, hey, listen, I'm packing on these pounds. I'm essentially taking myself off the dating market. That's how committed I am to you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to sit mm-hmm. here and get fat, and uh, we can enjoy each other's company. And if you decide to get big as well, I promise to pretend to still find you attractive. <laughs> and uh, put it this way, Pennsylvania's life expectancy is not rivaling those of Brazil or the islands. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And even uh, even though we have better medical care, also, Pennsylvania, uh, long, uh, long battling the indoor smoking. I, f- I feel oh, like there's yeah. probably still some, uh, yeah, there's still some bars I now. Think Crocodile Rock, I think you could still smoke. I mean, I haven't been there in years, but I know in the late, the last four or five years, you could still smoke inside. Which yeah, I think there was. Um, there, there are places that still allow smoking inside. It has to do with like a certain number of your. Basically, if you make a certain amount of your sales based uh, has to deal with food, then mm-hmm. you can't or something like that. But it seems like there's some places that you still can smoke inside. Oh, there's so many little you know dive bar watering holes throughout the Lehigh Valley that I'm sure no one gives a shit. Yeah, I mean, you can do whatever. You could you know throw a dart in someone's head and no one's gonna really call <laughs> you. You know what I mean? 
Just get him to the house. Is he all right? All right, just send him home. He's fine. He'll wake up. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to interrupt the dart league. All right, this no. is a league play. This is a league match. Dart leagues are serious out here too. Yeah, and surprisingly, I've, uh, I feel like they're kind of serious in uh, California. Like I remember when I first started doing a stand-up comedy out in L.A. I was doing a lot of shows in the San Fernando Valley. You and had to I compete just, with dart leagues? Yes. Oh! And I just remember every stand-up comedy show I did up in the San Fernando Valley, there was a bar, there was a dart machine, an electronic dart machine, and then eventually, yeah, and then guys would come in and they would have league matches and stuff like that. Or a lot of times they would have the electronic dart machine and then – it wouldn't really be off because I think they were afraid of turning it off and resetting guys' high scores. Oh, man. So it would be in some sort of kind of sleep mode, but then every once in a while it would just like – Of course. Like it would make a noise just to kind of remind you, hey, guys, the dart machine's here. Yeah, just just to remind you, hey, comedy is not as important as the dart league. Yeah, it's, it's, it's humiliating a lot of times when you do these shows or obviously more when you're starting out where you're oh, yeah. just – just competing with other stuff going on in the bar. Like, not only are you, you know, trying your hardest, obviously, to make people laugh and have a good time, but you're also competing with, like you said, the dart machine, mm-hmm. the, the game will be on, um, just a variety of other guys will be playing pool. Any and game. It, and nothing is worse for stand up comedy than whatever city you're in, their team being in the playoffs. You might as well just give up. <laughs> On even attempting a show, right? Especially, yeah. Especially if it's a uh, sports team, or you know, a diehard sports town. But yeah, well, even in LA, I mean, if the Lakers or Angels or if they're in the playoffs, forget about it. It's a miserable endeavor. Yes, and it's, it's rivaling darts. I, I used to run a show in Huntington Beach when I first was like starting back in the day. It was it was a big time dive bar called Tumbleweeds. Yeah, so right away went down there once. You've you been there. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's a fantastic place. And <laughs> there were pool tables and there were guys that would show up with their pool sticks. Like if you have your own pool stick, you're you know, you're not joking around. <laughs> and they would show up and they would start playing pool, but when hit you know, nine o'clock hit, it was time for comedy, they would shut off the pool tables, but they would leave it up to me to go tell these guys that the pool tables were being shut down. And I got so many death stares and just I heckled horribly from these guys who just wanted to play pool. Oh, yeah. Didn't want to give up until at least 945, the fact that the comedy show was happening. And so pool and darts, anything like that is just an awful endeavor to try and do uh, stand-up. Yeah. No, it's tough. And uh, it's, it's never ideal to have to compete because it's already you're already competing with the audience attention naturally mm-hmm. just to get them to listen and kind of tune in to what's going on and oh man you throw that in and it just makes it goes from bad to worse but talking about the Lakers man the Lakers oh and now you're a uh, you're a Sixers fan Johnny sadly enough yes yep. sadly enough it's a it's been a i don't know what well yeah, we can talk Sixers Lakers real quick. Well, what's your what's your take on the Sixers so far this season? You know, not to get all Dennis Green, but we are who we thought they were. I mean, <laughs> you know, Andrew Bynum is uh and I I I hey, yeah, I got to admit, I gave him the benefit of the doubt when they traded for him. <laughs> Even as a physical therapist, I didn't want him here cuz I knew his <laughs> knees were a mess, but when they traded for him, they made it sound great. I was like, "You know what? He's on a one-year deal. If it doesn't work, they let him go. Maybe it's worth it." Iguodala, it was it was time for him to go anyway. <clears throat> Gave him the benefit, and he has done nothing but just grow out a perm. (laughs) 
and just try to just try to say that he cares. I don't think he cares. I don't no. think he wants to play. No, he doesn't care at all. Well, that's a funny thing. Like as much as you know, going in, you're like, okay, he's not going to be healthy, so he's not going to be playing until maybe the second half of the year. Sure. Okay, fine. Okay, how bad can it be? What can he do when he's just injured? It, it can't be that bad. Well, no. first off, he grows out the hair, like you said, insult to everyone. Oh. It's just annoying. And then he injures himself worse by going bowling. And oh man, if you have, if you get a chance to listen to any sports talk, they, unlike uh, WIP, the local sports talk station, whenever they bring up Andrew Bynum, they have a bowling ball sound effect that I they just it. keep playing. Then, like, re- more recently, he was spotted playing Papa Shot mm-hmm. and some, like, Dave and Busters. He's just... Uh, hey, at least he's practicing, you know? That's true. I'd much rather see him uh, play Papa Shot than blow out I, his knee playing bowling. I just, Why would you not come up with a better excuse? I, I give him credit. He's honest. He doesn't hide. Andrew Bonham has never hidden his feelings or his opinions or what, you know. But my question is... You're in a contract year. You have a chance to get five years, a hundred million from somebody, whether it's a Sixers or someone else. How would you not want to play? You sitting out is even worse than you just say. You're averaging ten and ten. Say you have a shitty year. Yeah, that's sitting out and doing nothing is worse, in my opinion, than playing and getting ten and ten. I mean, he's the, he's the centerpiece of the franchise. They're twelve and thirteen. They just lost four in a row. Um, but for what they have. They're not that bad of a team. I mean, they're hovering around the playoffs, and that's how they are without Bynum. You're the centerpiece of that team. If you play a little bit in the East, what center can even touch him? No, I, I mean, really, who would who can battle uh, Andrew Bynum? Down and Anderson Vararau from the <laughs> Cleveland? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, Chris Roy Kamen? Yeah, yeah, Chris Kamen. I mean, really? No, I mean, Tyson Chandler? They're going to no. be fine once... Uh, I mean, they would be fine if Bynum was playing because they have really good guards. You got Evan Turner, Drew Holiday, Evan Turner's, Nick you know, Young's been shooting well. Yeah, Evan Turner's really showing. Um, man, if he just improves that mid-range game, but his, his, he's improving a lot. Drew Holiday before he got hurt was having a great year. Spencer Hawes is having his moments. I mean, with with a real center, Spencer Hawes could be even better. Thad Young is always consistent. Um, you know, Darrell Wright. Last night hit seven threes. I still it's lost. Pretty crazy. Yeah, but yeah. It's just uh, I'm, now for- I'm dropping my phone. I'm getting so upset about <laughs> the goddamn Sixers. It's just it's frustrating because you know I really had I was excited. This is the most excited I've been for the Sixers in about ten years since we went to the finals. And there's just no. I don't think he's ever going to suit up for him. If he does, maybe then I'm wrong. But I just don't see it happening. And then, you know Adam Aaron, one of the new owners. God love him. He's really active on Twitter and he's super interactive with fans, which is great. But fans are getting pissed off now. Like yeah. I saw some of the people tweeting him last night. Like, he keeps it positive because he has to. But so many tweets last night are like, this team stinks. Stop pretending like we're actually going to go somewhere. You traded <laughs> you traded Iguodala for Jason Richardson. That's what you did and stuff like that. I'm like, oof, that's rough. It's tough. It's tough. But uh, as, as, as bad as the Sixers are doing, it's so much better to see the Lakers not succeed. I Dude. As a, uh, just as a sports fan, and I've always been kind of a Laker hater, never like as crazy as some. I mean, I respect Kobe's killer instinct, but, yeah, it is just great to see this Lakers team fall flat on their face. And especially yeah. they fired Mike Brown after going 1-3, and three, which seemed to make no sense. And then this just – I mean, they almost lost to the Bobcats last night. They Sadly, won by one point. I, when oh, I was at the so airport, they were, uh, they were down a lot, like 15. I was like, oh, this is great. And then I 
got in this morning and I was like, oh, they actually won by a point. But sadly, <laughs> they won three in a row now. But still, they're having an awful season, and I love it. Yeah, no, it's great. It's just, uh, yeah, as a sports fan, part of it is, part of it is, uh, yeah, your team doing well. But when that doesn't happen, you just have to fall back on the joy of seeing other teams not succeed. You know what I mean? Yep. Like the idea that, hey, the Eagles lose, that's bad. But it's, it's almost. Just like an Eagles win is probably worth a Cowboys loss. It, just because, mm-hmm. like, hey, if I'm going to be miserable, it just makes me feel better to see other people miserable. Well, that's that's how I operate. Plus, the Lakers are kind of like the evil empire. They pretty much get what they want. And you know, how many other teams would be able to pull off a trade not just for Dwight Howard? Oh no, we're not happy with that. Let's go out and get Steve Nash. Yeah, I mean, they get every player they want. And you know, for for all the listeners that are not from the Los Angeles area. If you could only listen to local LA radio and listen to how spoiled Laker fans are, oh my God, they're in, they're just so oh. entitled. It's yeah. it's awful. It makes you want to throw up on your radio. I mean, it's just they're so bratty and so whiny. Like if they lose two games in a row, like right now the sky is falling. You know. Yeah. Well, and, as it should be a little bit, but even when they're doing well, you won't see like. You won't see the Laker flags come out on all the cars until like the conference championship. Like they, they kind of take the first and second round of the playoffs. They just take for granted as like, oh yeah, of course we're gonna get there. (laughs) Yeah, not this year for sure. Uh, Speaking of uh, franchises in disarray, I was flying back a couple nights ago. Mm. Now I flew back on uh, Virgin, and um, but I I don't know if you ever flown Virgin, but it's a great airline to fly. I heard it's all. I mean, like super comfortable. Get a direct flight from LA. TV and the headrest, right? Oh yeah, that was great. United does not give it that. Yeah, and you get Wi-Fi. I mean, you got to pay a couple of bucks for the Wi-Fi, but still. So I fly back on a Monday night, and uh, Monday night football's on, so I get to watch Monday night football. Mm. Throw a couple bucks online on Monday night football, so I'm sitting there watching the game. That game was gross. Yeah, I bet against the Jets. So yeah, you did. What was the spread? <laughs> I, I think uh, it was Titans getting one point. So Perfect. The Jets so were favorite. Won. Yeah, one. It was all good. And but well, so the game's going great. Um, well, first off, we're like at literally. As we're landing, you know, you're descending. That was right when, um, so it was in the fourth quarter. The Jets were driving. We're descending uh, to land. They're about, they're about to go in for possibly a game-winning score. Mark Sanchez throws an interception. I just go, yeah! <laughs> and I could just see people around me like, the hell is this guy this cheering? This guy's really happy to be landing. <laughs> is this guy cheering for turbulence? Because it was a little <laughs> rocky landing. Then we land. They turn the TVs off, and that's when, uh, you know, it, Tennessee had a uh, fu- – Did you get Tennessee- to see the punt? No. Oh. So Tennessee intercepted the ball. Seemed like they were going to be able to run out the clock. I saw them run a couple of runs. I'm like, all right, this is fine. They'll punt it away. There's only like 30 seconds left. Jets won't have a timeout. They'll be at midfield. It'll be fine. Uh, the TV turns off. I check my phone as soon as I can, and it says first and 10 at the Tennessee 25. I'm like, yep. oh, I'm like what the heck happened? And I look at the play log, and the, the Tennessee punter – had punted at 19 yards, and I'm like, "All right, this just my luck. Of mm-hmm. course, they're gonna now. You know, they're gonna get this miraculous second chance. They're gonna pull it out, and then the next play, Mark Sanchez fumbles the snap, kicked and- away by Bilal Powell, and then uh, Titans recover the ball. Yeah, five turnovers. Now that was a low snap, but sure. In that situation, you got to grab that damn ball. I mean, exactly. Uh, Mark Sanchez." Is just a guy who doesn't want it. 
I said uh, I tweeted or posted on Facebook that he's a real student of the game, meaning the game, like how to pick up chicks. Like he, yeah. he's just a guy who's got like, hey, I got the, I got this beard that's not quite a beard that you know, hey, I'm a good looking guy. He's not as bad as Matt Leinart was. Matt Leinart was clearly all about poontang, and that was it. Yeah, and admittedly so. Like uh, I think it was like a friend of a friend knew him at USC and said he didn't really care. And when I heard that, I was like, immediately, my first instincts were like, all right, I'm not drafting this guy in my fantasy team. Someone should have told the Cardinals. Yeah. Because Matt Car- Liner was taking, what, ninth overall or 11th overall, something like that? I mean, you know, and, and that's the thing is, like, USC quarterbacks, they have so many weapons at their disposal. You know, Matt Barkley, he, he got exposed this year. If he would have came out last year, he would have been a top 10 pick. Yeah. This year? No way. I mean, he, he Well, he might back. he might end up being a top 10 pick just because whoever needs the first quarterback, he still might be it. Well, a lot of teams need a quarterback, but I don't think there's there's no quarterback worth taking that high in the draft this year. It's just the wrong year for quarterbacks, I think. It's true. The only thing is now the way the contracts are uh broken out, you're not going to be Strapped. It's not as risky to take a quarterback high or because you're not you're not stuck to him as much as you used to be where you know, back in the day, you would just have to pay these guys so much money coming mm-hmm. into the league because of the way the the contracts were structured. And now, at least, they can pay him, you know, whatever, like a, a rookie base salary, and it's not it's not quite as bad. So I think maybe they're willing to risk a little bit more because, hey, maybe it's worth the gamble to land a franchise quarterback. Sure. Who knows? I don't know. With the way quarterbacks are now, I wouldn't. I would like if I had the number one pick overall, I would take Titeo from Notre Dame, no questions asked. I know he's a linebacker. But you give me a full, definite, multi-time Pro Bowler at the number one overall pick, I will take that any day than someone like Matt Barkley or, or even Geno Smith, who maybe could be good, right? but has too many question marks about him. I would just rather take the sure thing. That's what I would do. I hear you. So how was your, how was your flight coming back, Johnny? Oh, man, it was uh, – what did I do? I went from L.A. to, uh, to D.C., had a nice three-and-a-half-hour layover. Um, I actually, I finally started to fall asleep, and I realized I, I fell asleep through the boarding to Allentown. And so <laughs> I woke up, and I realized there's no one else around me, and I turn around, and people are walking on the plane. I'm like, ah, shit. And so I quit grab my stuff, and I was like the last person on the plane. And then we go to sit down. It's a little plane going from D.C. to Allentown, of course. And I was sitting in the front. They go, does anyone want to move to the back? We need to balance out the plane, which is always a confidence boost. <laughs> yeah. Like you're about to take off, and you know, thirty degree weather could be windy. And I just went in the I went in the back corner. I'm like, it's nice to know that 195 pounds is now going to balance out this airplane. <laughs> we got it all figured out. <sighs> yeah, that uh, that um that DC airport, I've the mess. Oh man, it's the worst. And that's why I try to basically figure out whatever I can to try, you know, beg and plead for rides or yeah. force my younger brother to pick me up in Philly or New York because the- that Allentown airport is so small and eventually you just end up getting screwed. I've I've had two separate six hour, six and a half hour layovers at DC. Just to go to Allentown. Yeah, just to go to Allentown, which is like it's a four hour drive yes, from D C to Allentown. So when you when you're there on hour five and you're just doing the math of I could have got a rental car and just driven my ass this mm-hmm. entire way. It that's it's really insane. I did that once two years ago. Remember we had the blizzard? Uh, it was it three years ago maybe, we had the real bad blizzard, um and I was flying home. And I remember leaving L.A., I was like, there's no way this plane's taking off. Because the blizzard was just slamming the East Coast. Like, there's no way anything was going to happen. Sure enough, we take off. And I'm, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I was supposed to go from L.A. to Chicago. I'm like, why? Sure enough, we're in, like, the middle of the country. And the guy gets up. He's like, this is your captain speaking. Uh, we are now going to turn around. 
Uh, <laughs> thanks to the uh, blizzard, we're going to land in Denver, and you're on your own. And so <laughs> we get off the plane in Denver, and uh, I spent the night sleeping on the floor at Denver Airport. And then spent the whole next day in Denver on the phone with customer service. They got me a red eye from Denver to D.C. I get to D.C. They're like, the next flight to Allentown doesn't take off for another nine hours. I said, you know what? I'm tired of this shit. Rented a car. Almost fell asleep nine times going home. And I drove home from D.C. to uh, to home. Well, you're a hero, Johnny. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a real struggle. I was going to tell my story about I waited there six hours and I was really pissed off. And uh, they were just being total dicks and uh, <laughs> at the D.C. airport. And, you know, you just sit there for hours, get that awful airport food. And oh, then yeah. I, I'm on the last leg of the trip. I sit in there and the stewardess is like, oh, hey, how's it going? I'm like, ah, bad. You know, you guys really screwed me over. I had to wait here for seven hours. You gave me a $10 food gift card. You know, the pizza Aww. and salad. The pizza and salad I got was like eleven fifty, so I couldn't even get. Sure. I still had to pay a couple bucks for this awful Fimgelia pizza or oh, whatever. Not even numero uno? No. Man. No numero uno. Fuck I, them. I should have went five guys, but I yeah. just kind of burned out on burgers at the time. And then I just remember her coming up and then give, she's like, here you go. Here's a beer. And right next to the beer, she also brought out um, her phone number. No, oh. I wish she brought out a cup of ice. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of weird. Why would you?" And then I feel the beer, and the beer is like borderline hot. And I was just like, "God, oh. <laughs> you guys thought of everything. You thought of every little thing to possibly screw me over on this trip." Uh, hi, this beer is down in our boiler room. We didn't even have a plane had one, but it does. I go, uh, "This." I go, "Generally, beer isn't served warm." She's like, "I know. That's why I brought you ice." Mm. It's like that's. Not really how beer works. What airline was this? What was it? Um, Probably United. U.S. Air. Oh, U.S. Enough. Air. They're all. I feel like they're all kind of connected now into one big hodgepodge of uh, horseshit. Have you seen the movie? Uh, <laughs> have you seen the movie Flight? No. Well, great movie with Denzel Washington. I would definitely not recommend watching it before. Then you go fly, right? Yeah. He gets drunk and lands a plane. Well, yeah, exa- uh, yeah, more or less. I mean, the plane crashes, but. Mm. He's drunk, and he kind of saves the plane, and then, you know, it's, it's this whole, like, moral quandary of could he have done more if he was less drunk? I, I don't know. It's this, it's this is whole... It a, is it a true story? Um, so, sorry, wait, what's up? Is it based on a true story, the movie? Um, I don't know. It might have been... I, I don't know if it was linked to... Um, now, I'm trying to think. Was it... I think it might have been based on something that was uh, that was kind of true, but I, I don't remember mm-hmm. off the top of my head. But uh, either way, it was just the brother having some drinks. Exactly. And landed the, that plane. The thing that cracked me up about the movie Flight was that how much product placement there was. Really? Yeah. Like you would think Smirnoff wouldn't want to have their vodka bottles be associated with this guy crashing this plane and possibly. Could have done more or less or whatever, but no, there was like product placement throughout the entire film. Is wow, Denzel? I guess hey, Denzel Washington, Denzel Washington. You know they don't care. You going down? Have a Smirnoff. <laughs> exactly, but definitely, uh, you know, definitely something you don't want to watch right before you have to fly because you're just sitting there as the plane's taking off or landing. You can't help but think of uh, flight as the yeah I mean you can't help but think about that movie no speaking of movies I watched one on my plane ride and I will oh secondly one more thing about DC airport doesn't DC airport just when you walk around it doesn't it seem like just it, it's something that the Republicans and Democrats are supposed to agree on and they don't and it, they just let it be a shithole that's what it seems like they just 
It's like, you know, there's nothing good about the D.C. airport. No. It's it's just gross. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to politics in general. Uh, everything's all spread out. It's one huge bureaucracy to get from one place to mm-hmm. – it's, it's a great – it's actually perfect for D.C. Nothing really gets done. Yeah. You're always waiting around for stuff. Perfect analogy. The food sucks. Yeah, I didn't customer quite, service is poor. I didn't, you it's exactly better, like yeah. uh, politics itself. You said it better. I was like, I couldn't quite explain it. I was like, there's just there's something about this that just seems right for Washington D.C. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all the D.C. airports like spread out all over the place, and you got to take like shuttle to shuttle to get to the different terminals. Oh, yeah. It's not easy to get around. You got to navigate this maze. Now I got a movie for you. Sure. So I gave it a shot because I'll give any movie a shot if I'm on a plane. It's a movie. That was out not too long ago. I think it was in theaters for about three days. It was called Premium Rush with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. A movie, get ready, about bike messengers. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I saw the previews, I was like, oh, they just made Fast and Furious, but for bike messengers? Like, that seemed to be the premise. It's basically like Home Alone if Home Alone didn't know that it was a comedy <laughs> and that it didn't know it was, like, maybe well-written. Like, it was from the opening I, – I remember the first minute they play. They're playing uh, Bob O'Reilly from The Who. And I'm like, okay, I like this. This is a great song to begin yep. a movie with. I'm in. That was the only good thing about the From the start, it was like, this is the dumbest thing. It's like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's, like, riding his bike. And, of course, you hear his voiceover, like, I like to ride. I could have went to law school, but there's nothing better than riding in New York City. And, then, of course, I'm paraphrasing. And then there's the story it tells is so dumb. He's got like this package. He's being chased by a corrupt cop, and meanwhile his girl, his overly hot girlfriend, who's also a bike messenger, her roommate <laughs> is trying to get her kid from another country. So everyone wants this like little ticket that's worth fifty grand. It's the dumbest, dumbest movie. No wait, um, what's the ticket? What do you mean ticket that's worth fifty grand? Well, okay, this roommate is like really Asian. I don't know what country, but accent, very Asian. And she, in the one scene, you see her packing a whole bunch of money up. And her roommate's like, what's going on? She's like, it's personal issue. And you see her go to really Asian, like the old Asian guys. You know, where like you show up and you see guys playing cards and smoke everywhere. Yes. She hands over the money. He hands over a ticket with a smiley face on it, right? And I couldn't read the, um, I couldn't read the subtitles because thanks to United Airlines, my fucking screen was 15 feet away from my seat. <laughs> So I couldn't see what they were saying in whatever language it was. So she has the ticket. She brings it back, and she asks for this uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt specifically because he's the best bike messenger in New York City. <laughs> he has to deliver it. In the meantime, this corrupt cop loses so much money gambling that he gets an insider tip on this ticket that's showing up at this place in Chinatown later on. So the cop also wants this ticket to pay off his gambling debts. Also, the fact that the cop got mad and like ended up killing one of the, the, the muscle men at this card-playing game where he lost all his money. So everyone's chasing after this ticket. And like it, it's, just, it, it's bike riding all over New York City. It's, just, it's awfully written. <laughs> Terribly written. And I'm not, I'm not one that, I don't like to criticize movies because, I mean, me and you, we're trying to do the same thing. We're, you know, we're, we're, right. we're, we're writers. We, you know, we're performers. Trying to write the next premium rush. Yeah. Like I, I'd love – that's the thing is I'm watching this. I'm like, you know what? Fuck if – Right after the, the movie ended, they put the two people that wrote it. I'm like, well, oh, they're proud of it at least. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's so bad, and I don't like to shit on movies, but this movie was awful. <laughs> like I was mad. Like I wanted 83 of those minutes back. 
Now, what's the what's the move there? Like, were other people watching the movie on the? On I don't the think anyone. I think most people were sleeping. Oh yeah, I guess it's a red eye. But hey, I popped the headphones in. I now, gave it a now, shot. How does that work? Like, how, like you said, it was in theaters for w- one week, maybe two weeks. I remember at most. seeing the commercial. I'm like, this looks fucking terrible. Now, how does that? How does that work? How does that get onto your United flight? Like, are they bribing the people? Is it some sort of like? Do they pay? Money to put their movie on the flight as an attempt to sell DVDs. How? I'll tell who you is what, strong arming these uh, airplanes? I know this. It was definitely rated R because you can tell how many voiceovers were done to f- to get rid of the cuss words. Oh yeah. So it wasn't about rating. It wasn't like oh it's a rated PG. It's about bikes. And that was definitely rated R. I don't know how it got on. Maybe the fact that it was so bad that they're just like giving the movie out. Like here, show this to anyone that will watch it. And after the first ten minutes, I'm like, this is terrible. But I got to stick this out. Yeah, when are we going to give up on trying to censor stuff from kids? I mean, the the reality of the world we're living in, mm-hmm. I mean, it's unfortunate, but you can't really – I get it. You don't want to go out of your way to expose kids to vulgarity and, uh, hey, hardcore pornography, curse word, whatever. I get it, but it's just like with the internet, it seems so pointless when you're watching cable and they blur things out or cut out yep. parts. It's like these kids have access to the internet. If they're going to be watching this adult stuff, I'm sure they know how to go on the internet and get the uncensored version. Kids are the majority of kids are better at using the internet than their parents. Oh yeah, what what? They're better than I am. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Yeah, they're better than they're more tech savvy than Johnny. Jesus, like what? What is the point of trying to censor kids at this point? Like, try to censor stuff in general. Well, especially with all the weird, awful things that have been happening in society the past few months. I mean, I don't even want to get in on that topic, so we're having a good time here. But, man, you're right. I mean, it, it, I don't know. There's, there's, uh, it's so different than when even when we were kids 15, 20 years ago. I feel like the, the age of innocence is gone, and it's gone at such an early age now. And I feel like... You know, not to be like an old curmudgeon, but like technology, as as good as it does, also does, I think, almost just as much terrible things. Yeah, people. well, uh, yeah, it's freedom of information. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess that includes kids, too, because how can you – yeah, if you're going to give your kid a tablet and – yeah, obviously there's some programs on there where you can block stuff or, or censor stuff out, but – yeah, you can only really do so much. Eventually, hey, it is the internet. They're gonna get it. They're gonna find out what's uh, uh, you know, they're gonna find out what's going online right now. I, I, I don't know. It's it must be difficult to be a parent right now and try oh, to man. censor or protect your kids from stuff. Couldn't even imagine. Um, speaking of one thing that they probably wouldn't want their kids to see. Did you see? Uh, when was it? Maybe it's like a year or so ago. The Scarlett Johansson nude photos. Some guy. Oh some, yeah, some hacker uh, broke into her phone. He broke into like a few different celebrities' phones, but he was recently sentenced. He got ten years in prison for hacking into Scarlett Johansson's phone. No and, shit. I mean, that's what he was sentenced to. I, I don't know what he'll actually serve. Oh man, that now obviously what he did was wrong, right? We can all agree on that. But really, is it ten, ten years? years ten a, years feels a little bit long. Yeah. It is a little bit long. I mean, put him to put him to use. Like the movie Catch Me If You Can, they ended up having that guy 
work for the government afterwards. Get this guy out. If he's good enough to hack somehow getting naked pictures of Scarlett Johansson, he could probably do a lot of stuff that's beneficial, not just get naked pictures of other hot chicks we want to see. Oh, okay. I thought that's what you were angling for. Like, yeah, put him to do, put him to well, good work. Get him, get him hacking other hot celebrity chicks' uh, phones and and get. No, you're right. I mean, if he's that savvy uh, technology wise, why not have him working for the government, taking down uh, terrorists and stuff like that, and and, and then showing fighting. us boobs at the same time. Exactly. He'll do a little bit of both. Maybe to we can get some. Hot terrorist chicks, uh, topless pictures. I don't know. It's I don't an American know. American hero, in- right there. <laughs> they shouldn't be in prison. Put them Ta- to work. I mean, okay. So on the sliding scale, obviously, uh, pedophiles very like low on the totem pole in the in the prison yard and stuff. They're about and as low as you can get, I believe. Yeah, as people and especially as prisoners, they're they're considered like, hey, we're going to beat those guys up. We're going to go out of our way to mess those up. Now, this guy, I would imagine, got to be on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Like, he's a harmless mm-hmm. hacker. I imagine he's not very strong. And he's coming in there like, hey, guys, I'm the one who helped you see Scarlett Johansson naked. So He probably I, has all the access to cigarettes he wants. I imagine that's got to be a good way to meet some friends in prison, just coming in going, hey, guys, look who's back in town. You know, <laughs> look at me. You look better since you went to prison. Well, I've been eating pretty good. <laughs> Actually enjoying it. The prisoners helping him out. Yeah. Hey, I, you mind uh, hacking up a chick I went to high school with her cell phone? Oh yeah, no problem. Just uh, yeah, you know he finds a way to get on the internet for sure. Whatever, oh yeah, whatever well, min security prison he's in. I mean, heck, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys they have uh, blogs and stuff like that, and they have like access to the internet. It's, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Another story. Speaking of uh, crazy guys, this uh, McAfee, have you heard any Ooh. story about this? McAfee, he's a, uh, well, his last name you might be familiar with, like Norton Antivirus, McAfee. Oh, of course. Okay. So anyway, he's this kind of eccentric software developer guy. Shocker. Now, he sold his share in the company like 10 years ago. He's not, he's not, he hasn't been associated with them for a long time. But So he, now he just has enough money to be crazy is what you're getting at. Yeah, more or less, and he was living down in um, I want to say, I want to say like Belize or somewhere down in like South or Central. The country he could buy, probably. Yeah, more yeah. or less. He's hanging out down there, and uh, he kept having these arguments with his neighbor. Uh, next thing you know, his neighbor has been murdered. Oh uh, my god! Now he's not. Uh, well, it's weird because he's, and then he like. It, he said that yeah, like the the government was trying to frame him, or they want to try and kill him. And they're like, no, we don't want to try and kill you. We just want to investigate. Like he's not even, he's not quite a suspect yet. He's still like just a person of interest. Because but if he's already on the defensive side, the government's trying to set me up. They're like, dude, we haven't put you in cuffs. Yeah. What are you? We haven't. You know, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, that never looks good when you start attacking the government when they just ask a couple questions. Oh my god! Then he went on the run. He had a, he had a, he still had his blog going. He before, kept, so he went on the run before he ever got arrested. Yeah. Well, wow. he's never been officially arrested. Um, well, he got a, so he was on the run. He was going and a uh, Vice magazine. It was like mm-hmm. this online magazine. They also do uh, they do all all kinds of, like embedded journalism, kind of guerrilla okay journalism type stuff. They had a guy following him, and they like took a picture like, "Hey, we're on the run." And they uploaded it to their website. Now, when they uploaded it to their website, it had the, like, geo-coordinates 
embedded into the picture file. So they got that information. Then they started tracking him. Uh, eventually they caught up with him. He got arrested for entering one of these South American countries illegally. Mm. Now he got extradited back to America. And now I guess this um, where he was from originally, they want to try – they're basically just trying to interview him. They, they, supposedly he isn't a suspect yet. If he becomes a suspect, they can ship him uh, back to where he was living. But right now, as a person of interest, their extradition uh, agreement with the United States, he can just only be – like he's still fine until they until he officially well, becomes a suspect. Mentally, he's clearly not. Because, I mean, if you're – I'll look at it this way. If your neighbor – if you're arguing with your neighbor and then he ends up dead and you just take off – <laughs> and on, you're on the lam and claim corrupt government. I don't know. I think you might be a suspect. In my mind, you're a suspect. Now, yeah. Johnny, if you're... There's no Norton antivirus that can protect him at this point. <laughs> exactly. He's corrupt. He can't, <laughs> he's a hard drive that he, just has to be bl- rebooted. His hard drive is crashed. He's He's got the moral blue screen of death. God. Now, it, yeah, in all these situations, it's pretty easy to... Well, I love how everyone's just like, you don't know what you would do in that situation. No, I know exactly. I wouldn't kill someone. Well, yeah, right. I wouldn't kill someone. And uh, yeah, knock-, knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood. You don't jinx know. myself. <laughs> You're going to be murdering people on Thursday, oh, Johnny. Oh, man. Or tomorrow. Nah. Well, the world is ending, which we need to get to that. Sure. We've got to talk not only about the show. We need to talk about, and I don't think either one of us realized this. No. When we scheduled the show. Yeah. So We've got to get to that. All right. Yeah, we, a perfect place to transition. So tomorrow... Uh, Thursday is the December 20th. We have an amazing show, two shows actually, mm-hmm. at the Arts Quest here in Bethlehem. we got an 8 o'clock and a 10 o'clock show. A few at, tickets available, but they're going fast. So At the Frank Banco Ale House Cinema. Yeah, so I it's believe. basically a movie theater, but they have a nice stage set up. And, uh, have you seen it? No, I haven't. I've no. heard great things about it. So Good stuff. Yeah, nor have I. But yeah, it's a uh, cool venue, 8 and 10 p.m., uh, in Bethlehem, Arts Quest, and so we're doing these two shows. But I, I realized this has been playing today. So tomorrow's December 20th. I had forgotten about this whole Mayan calendar, end of the world, because all the talk was last year, and then this year it kind of faded away because I think people are like, well, if the world ends, it ends. Yeah. But technically, according to the Mayan calendar, it ends December 21st, 2012. Our second show will be ending sometime before midnight. Mm-hmm. So the question is, do you think, are we the prequel? To the end of the world, or that now that's a lot of pressure because yeah. obviously you want to finish strong generally with the stand-up comedy show, but you also want to finish strong when it comes to having the world end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, it's going to be a lot of pressure, um, and we don't have a time frame. I mean, is it is it is it midnight? Is it East Coast time? Are we talking mean lunch? Time? Yeah, yeah. They didn't. They never specified a time. Mm. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm kind of. I just. I'm jealous of people that just buy into these conspiracy theories. Like, I wish I, like, I wish life was that. My thing is that life is really a lot more boring than every sort. Every sort of conspiracy theory just makes it makes oh, yeah. life to be much more exciting than it actually is. Well, like, look at the show Doomsday Preppers. I think if the Mayans were still around, they would have to want to cut of the profits from that show. Yes, I mean half the <laughs> people that are prepping for Doomsday is because of the goddamn Mayan calendar. <laughs> Yeah, well, no. and I mean, hey, if you're selling bomb shelters, this has got to be the greatest thing. If you're selling, you know, canned beans or whatever kind of, you know, biohazard suits and <laughs> has, you want a hazmat suit, we got them half off because you're gonna need them. I think it's probably all basically all this propaganda is from the show Doomsday Preppers. Have you seen it? 
I'm just fun. watching the promos, and uh, I don't know. What's your take on the show? I, I saw a few episodes, and uh, oh my god, these people are really. They're, number one, they're all good with firearms. Doomsday Prepper should really just be. It, it, it's a good name for a show. Another a second option for a title could be like how to use a, an assault rifle because that's pretty much what <laughs> every person on Doomsday Prepper just shows you how they use their gun and how they would defend themselves. And I wonder if like the people that are really prepping that have been featured on the show are they like amped up for tomorrow? Are they amped up for Friday? Like are they like oh man this is it this is my time to shine? <laughs> are they going to be disappointed when shit doesn't go down? Oh of course. I mean think about it. Anyone who what it's the same thing with like the military when you build a bomb or you build a uh, you know or you have a gun or what in the back of your head you're kind of like hey I kind of want to you you know what I mean like you you don't want it to come to that but in the back of your head if you're buying something if you're preparing for it you don't want that all that preparation to be for not like sure. you want to be proven right you I mean honestly yeah if you're if you're buying those biological hazard suits or whatever the hazmat if you're building a bomb shelter you don't want to eventually one day use the bomb shelter like yeah. it feels like a complete waste of time then you're just some asshole who spent fifteen thousand dollars building a bomb shelter in your backyard it's funny you said this one couple i was watching they had in their bomb shelter i think they have enough for like six months worth of food just in this bomb shelter along with water and it's one of those things where like we know people going to come at us and of course they're all southern yes there's nothing else to do than get crazy <laughs> Like, we know people, they're going to come at us, and so we're going to be ready. We got our weapons, and not getting our food. We know how to prepare <laughs> ourselves for doomsday. Now, really, it's probably they're preparing for a race war, but they, they, yeah. couldn't, they couldn't say that yeah. on the... Uh, yeah, doomsday preppers is when a more black president gets in office, and they take over. <laughs> this like, is for doomsday, otherwise known as when the Mexicans outnumber us whites. Yes, it's 2043, when whites are uh, become the minority in America. 2043? Yeah, twenty twenty probably. Well, I think uh, <laughs> yeah. I, do, I mean, I twenty forty three just stuck in my head because I just saw some uh, article about that. Uh, that they the census figured out and they predicted that would be the time when uh, whites were no longer the majority. Right. And to be honest, and let's be clear, we here at the green room support our Latino friends. We sure. are, we by no means have any ill will towards anyone who wants to outnumber us. <laughs> and honestly, as a as a guy who's been a white male for a while, yeah, you've been, my, you've been my entire life, I'm I'm happy to have the pressure off, all right? I'm, mm -hmm. hey, let put someone else in the majority seat. I can be a minority. Uh, you know, the pressure of being a white male is kind of a lot. Yeah. Yeah. People point to the the benefits and uh, white I'm, people always do the craziest shit too. Exactly. We're we're responsible for a lot of bullshit uh, mm -hmm. admittedly, but hey, I don't, you know, Put someone else in the driver's seat. I feel like by 2043, we'll I'm fine with uh, becoming a minority. That sounds like uh, sounds like less pressure. Got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if if we if, if Latinos become the majority, that also means Latinas will become majority, That's and sad. white guys will be a commodity, if you will. <laughs> so we'll be in uh, we'll be in high demand. Of course, by then we'll be in our fucking early 50s, which will not help us exactly. No, but. You never know. Maybe we'll be in that you know kind of <laughs> crisis where we have money and we just want some arm candy. Right, exactly. We can only hope that in 2043 we'll be looking for a trophy wife. And yep. not only our money but our newfound minority status will help us score those hot young Latin chicks that we crave, Johnny. We can only hope that in 30 years we'll both be so desperately lonely <laughs> that we try to find a woman who clearly does not love us for who we are. 
Exactly. <laughs> I and I would be fortunate enough to be having my midlife crisis in my fifties. I feel like yep. if I'm having it in my fifties. That means I'm uh, probably setting up for a long, long life. Yeah, you just hop in your Corvette, you just go down, you find yourself a nice little spicy one. <laughs> uh, good times. Now, all right, Johnny. What's up? Let's just talk about a little, a little bit more about the show. So yeah. when you perform uh, in front of your friends and family, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but does your act change? Do you feel like there's some jokes you won't do? Well, I don't know if you feel this way, but you know, we did we did the show last year, and of course we uh, we were one of only five acts to sell out uh, the massive room at Arts Quest, four hundred music seats. fest cafe sold it out four hundred. We did the Green Quasto Express. Um, I thought last year was a lot more nerve wracking, just because you know I don't think most people had seen either one of us in a long time because like people in the Lehigh Valley, they don't, and why should they understand? They don't understand what it's like to chase this whole entertainment debacle that we are chasing right now so yes you know half the people that you see back home are so like oh you're a comedian who oh, tell me a joke like one of those people like they don't get it you know and i think that the pressure was on more last year just because they hadn't seen you in years and it's like all right this is my one shot to show people that i'm not wasting my life exactly you know what i mean and after last year it went so well people really seem to enjoy it this year, I feel like it's a smaller venue. We're just going to have fun. It's like we're inviting people into a living room. We're just going to have fun, talk, do whatever you know we got to do. And yeah, it does feel like a little bit of uh, less pressure. I mean, I was talking to my dad, and he was like, oh, how are ticket sales? I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, it's going good. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see how many people we get out there. It should be a, a pretty uh, popping show, but... I'd imagine, just in general, it's probably going to be a little bit less than last year. And my oh, dad, no doubt. And my dad was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's how it goes. I mean, first time you come back, everyone's like, hey, what's going on? Oh, you know, it's this kind of like one big-time experience. And then uh, the later. next year it's like, oh, they're doing that thing again. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll try and make it out. Yeah, oh, but- neither one of them are famous yet? Okay, yeah, maybe we'll have something else to do. <laughs> they're doing good. That's good to hear. But they're not, uh, you're not on Chelsea? Oh, okay, forget it. Yeah, 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 yeah. once you get on basic cable, look out, Lehigh Valley. Then we'll really <laughs> be cleaning up. You know this. But it is, uh, yeah, no, it's still, uh, it's yeah, it's cool to do shows uh, back home for your family and stuff like that. I, I'm looking forward to your set because I imagine you're going to talk about, you've you've had quite the interesting year. Yeah, I'll get into, uh, yeah, I testicular cancer. Yeah. I have uh, one testicle now. Doing good battling that out. But, yeah, I'll definitely uh, get into it. I have a chunk of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's – well, it's it's interesting because I have, like, a decent amount of stand-up on it. But it is – it's also one of those things, like, in Los Angeles doing a lot of, like, 10-minute sets here and there. It's you can't hard get to, into it. Well, it's hard to work into it, yeah, because you got to do, like – you got to do like, hey, this is me kind of stuff to get it going. Then you want to work on a little bit of new stuff. And then this testicular cancer chunk, it's tough to find a place for it in the act. In you'd like having have, a small. Yeah, you'd almost have to get up there and be like, hey, I'm Sean. I have one ball. Okay. Yeah. And you just move on. It's really hard to do. <laughs> well, that's usually how I get into it anyway. Okay. But um, yeah, no, it's just. Uh, yeah, and then you got to explain like, hey, you're okay. What it, like it's it's better fit for like a longer set. So having sure. you know we're doing co-headlining sets, uh, definitely have way more time to kind of get into that. And uh, yeah, I mean there is it, it is uh, there's a lot of comedy associated with losing your testicle. Like you you know just the I it's mean scary, and that, that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to just seeing your hearing your experience with it. And obviously, you're right. There is a lot of comedy, but at the same time, I know you had your moments where it was, it was pretty scary, though. Yeah, I mean, it's just scary just to have the idea of like, oh, hey, you got cancer, you have one ball, 
Um, yeah, or just the idea. I mean, really, the the hardest part was when you. So yeah, I, I had testicular cancer, or I guess you still have it for five years until they say like it's, it's totally gone, completely yeah. in remission. Um, but yeah, so you started noticing stuff with your testicles, it's a little bit different, a little bit different. Then it started getting bigger. Went to the doctor. Uh, they, you know, they basically say, "Hey, it's got to go." Now that week between when he said it's got to go and when I had the it surgery, goes, that yeah. was crazy because you just feel like you're. I mean, yeah, my testicle had gotten like two and a half, three times bigger than. Oh man, that must have hurt. <laughs> no, that that was a crazy thing, and that's partly why I wrote a blog about it and stuff. Was that I was never in a lot of pain. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, I knew something was up, and that's why I got it looked at, but. It was never, like, insanely uh, painful. It was just this, yeah, it was just this giant thing that was there. And, um, yeah, but that last week between, like, knowing it was cancer and it had to be taken out and when I actually had the surgery, that was, like, a really long week because you're just sitting there with this giant... Waiting to get rid of it. This just the giant time bomb strapped to you. And, of course, that would be the one week where, like, five girls hit you up to hang out. You're like, you know what? Ah, just... Mm, don't know no you know what I well gotta, and and mm. that, even that stuff like it never it didn't affect my performance until until that last week when i knew it was cancerous because it would just kind of get in my head like yeah, this I think so this is weird you know what i mean like it was it was never a physical thing but it was uh definitely mentally gets in your head about um yeah just having this giant I, i'll never forget because the guy like right Basically explain, hey, you have testicular cancer. We're going to have it removed. Do you have any questions? And literally my first question was, am I allowed to drink on this? Because I have a barbecue planned on Saturday, (laughs) and I don't want to cancel the barbecue. I want to know, is it all right if I have some beers? And the guy's like, yeah, that's fine. Just don't. You know, don't get so drunk that you end up back in the hospital for something unrelated to your testicle. And I was like, all right, not a problem. And uh, speaking of which, um, you'll be taking donations for Live Strong. Yeah, right? yeah, we're gonna donate. Uh, yeah, some of the um, gotta figure it out. Probably end up being a couple hundred bucks or whatever. I did okay. a did a fundraiser before for uh, Movember uh, at the Improv, and mm-hmm. then uh, yeah, we're gonna be donating some of the funds here to Live Strong. And I know you're gonna be donating uh, some of your yeah. Uh, show proceeds to Angel 34. Real quick, what is uh, Angel 34 for people who don't know? Angel 34, I love them. They're a pediatric cancer foundation that started actually in Northampton, my hometown, um, by a girl named Nicole Sheriff who passed away 2004 from uh, Ewing sarcoma, which is a really rare form of cancer. It's really hard to beat. But she she battled out for over two years, started this organization that now her parents, who I've become really close with, they run the whole organization. They're trying to bring nationwide attention to it. And they do everything for kids, their families. It's incredible. And so I'm like one of their West Coast spokespeople, ambassadors, if you will. And, uh, and they're going to be at the show. And so um, every time I do a show back home, I always take donations. And, uh, and also I'm going to be showing um, – I, I wrote and am working on a film called The Thumb Wrestler. It's a comedy. I'm going to be showing a couple scenes from that. Once that's up and done, my plan is to hopefully use that uh, with a Kickstarter to help donate more money to Angel 34. So, uh, yeah, so we, we both got, you know, both got some really good causes yep. uh, with the show. So 
you know, come on. It's only 10 bucks to get in, right? 10 bucks? Yep, 10 bucks. No drink minimum, cheap. no food. You don't have to buy anything. You just spend your 10 bucks, have a great hour and a half. Hey, and, I mean, you, you could know. either spend it getting uh, Premium Rush on a DVD, renting that horrible piece of crap, or you right. could come you out. You heard it here first. You could come out and see some live comedy. Of course, if you're in the Lehigh Valley, greater Philadelphia area. Oh man, good times, Johnny! Thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, where can uh, where can people check you out online? Uh, Twitter at jquasto, the letter J Q U A S T O, or jlocomedy dot com. Jlo like Jennifer Lopez. Uh, I know. Uh, jlocomedy.com and yeah that's about it just if you're in the Lay Valley come out it's great to be home thanks for having me on man it's always no appreciate you coming you know, on as always hopefully to see a lot of the uh, Lehigh Valley folks at the show tomorrow at ArtsQuest 8 and 10 o'clock you can go to ArtsQuest.org and yeah. also listen to 24-7 Comedy Radio it's a really good channel I mean, you hear it all is. types of great stand up yeah I don't uh, yeah we always mention it at the top of the show but it is you can find Streaming stand-up comedy, uh, you can get it on. You can get it on an app, the iHeartRadio app. You can yep. check it out there, and then they have, like I said, AM/FM stations, Austin, uh, Riverside, Pittsburgh, uh, a couple stations in Phoenix. They're really all over the place, and I think they got some more stations coming. So stay tuned to the Green Room, and stay tuned to twenty four seven comedy dot com. Thank you, all, everyone, for listening to the Green Room. We do it live here every week. Green dot com. Merry Christmas. The Green Room with Sean Green. Keep up the great work. See you later. Download archived episodes at 247comedy.com and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. You should have seen she was really naive. Shit, she was still only 19. And he was many years older. But he's seen her walk by in them tight jeans. And he looked at her like, that's my queen. Cause he thought that he could mold her, but it don't yeah. work, no. Larry was a 39. 30-